Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We're continuing to talk about success. The world speaks about success a lot, but the world's definition of success is incomplete. The world says accumulate or achieve certain goals or be better than other people, obtain glory and recognition, or just have a feeling of well-being. That's the world's definition of success. And what we're saying is that God's good success, which is what the, the words that he uses in Joshua 1, God's good success includes all of those, but it's much bigger. We've given the illustration of an athlete running a race and thinking that just this 100 meters is all that matters, and he's focused on this race, but then he finishes and he realizes there's a whole life, there's a whole world, there is more than just that race. And that is the illustration and the truth that the Bible gives us, that you can gain the whole world, Jesus said, but if you lose your soul, it profits you nothing. We can win according to the world's definition of success. But if we haven't realized and lived for and understood God, eternity, the bigger issues of life, other people, what is really important, we will not have succeeded. And we may cross that finish line at the end of our lives when we die or when we stand before God in judgment and realize we didn't understand the big picture of success. So we've spoken about some of the aspects of this success. But today I want to talk about the extra assistance, the supernatural help that God gives his people to achieve his success. We want to talk about supernatural success. And there are various aspects and elements of this. It's a bit like an athlete uh, in a race. I don't know if you've heard of Lance Armstrong. He was by far the most famous cyclist in the world for many years. He won the Tour de France, which, was a, which is a big cycling race for seven years in a row. He was amazing, but it turned out that he had been cheating. He'd been getting extra help from the outside that he wasn't supposed to get. He was actually injecting himself with blood that was more oxygenated and, and richer than his, his current blood, and that enabled him to win races, and he was doing a few other things. But he was getting assistance from outside, but it was wrong assistance. In the Bible, God's people somehow get the supernatural assistance. And I want to make a point here, without it, without God's supernatural assistance, we cannot achieve the success that God says is success. We can try, we can be religious, we can be as good as we can, we can control ourselves as much as we can, we can try to follow all the rules and do all the rituals, but in our own strength we cannot achieve the success that God requires of us and wants to give us, but with His help, which is so freely available, anyone can. Anyone can get God's success. So what I want to do today is base the talk on the life of Abraham. Now, Abraham is a hero of the faith. He lived many thousand years ago. He was an unknown person living in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans with his father Terah, with his wife Sarai, 
with his nephew Lot and with a few other people. He was living in Ur of the Chaldeans. And at some stage in his life, before he was 75 years old, God spoke to him and told him to leave that country, to go to a land that he would show him. In other words, it was a, a step of blind faith to step out, to go, to leave his father and to go to this land and God would bless him. And over the next 30, 40 years, God increased his relationship with Abraham. He blessed Abraham so much. He gave him supernatural assistance to succeed. Abraham became wealthy, incredibly wealthy and powerful. Even though he was just one man, he was able to defeat kings when they invaded a place called Sodom. Uh, Abraham was able to fight against a whole group of other kings and defeat them. He was able to establish a nation, the nation of Israel and many other lineages have come out of Abraham. He was an incredibly successful figure, but it came out of God's way of doing success. And I want to glean a few points from this because the Bible says that the way that Abraham related to God, which is called faith, that same way is the way that we access the supernatural success uh, that God wants to give us. So I'm reading from Romans chapter 4. And in verse 3 it says, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Verse 10. How then was it accounted while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. What is that saying? It says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And it happened to him before he had done any of the rituals or religious rites that were required in that day to be considered righteous. So... Circumcision was the big sign that God gave Abraham many, many years after this event happened. And it proved that Abraham was God's and that all of his family were God's people and that God was with them and he was blessing them. It was the sign of God's favor and blessing and covenant. That happened many, many years later when Abraham was 99. But many years before, God had promised Abraham. It started with a, a promise, leave your father's land and your father's people and go to this land I will show you and I will bless you. And then God increased the, the promise. He said, I will bless you and make you a blessing. I will bless all those who bless you and whoever is against you, I will be against and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. And then it started expanding. He said, as many as the stars in the sky, that's how many descendants or children I'm going to give you. And he said, I'm going to give you this land. And he just kept on piling the promises on Abraham, the, the promises of good and of blessing. And in Genesis, it says that God promised Abraham that he would make his descendants as many as the stars in the sky. And it says, Abraham believed God. In other words, he says, I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm already quite old. I'm over 75. How am I going to have children? My wife is old, but he believed God and it was accounted to him or credited to him as righteousness. Now that is an astounding thing to say, a, a really 
amazing statement in the Bible that God promised Abraham a blessing of children and, and many other blessings. Abraham simply said, yes, I believe you, God. And God says, you are now considered to be righteous, which means clean, clean of all sin, means uh, acceptable to God. It means meeting all of God's requirements and standards. What an amazing statement. And it says it happened. How then, verse 10, was it accounted while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. It was the, the time involved in, in this way of living for God is different to our normal status of time. Let me just mention this for a moment. We measure our success either by past achievements or failures. So in this modern world, there is an electronic record of pretty much everything you've done, all your social media posts, all your transactions and financial interactions, you've got a credit score, that there is a record of everything you've done. And many people, when they're thinking, am I successful? Or when they're trying to decide if someone else is successful, will look back through their past, their achievements, their interactions, uh, their credit history, crimes they've committed, all those kind of things. And they will say, my past defines my success. But God said, no, your success is not defined by your past. I'm accounting you as righteous. And sometimes we look at our present. We say, where am I now? God says, no, it's not your present. I'm making out to you, Abraham, that you are blessed and righteous, even though right now you're not exactly that. And it's a future promise, but it's based on what God sees for you. And we're going to get into this in this passage. But our past, present and future is different in God's view of success. And the first thing we need to understand, if we're going to enter into this supernatural arena of success that God wants to give us, is we need to put aside our idea of past, present and future and what the world says success is. The world says, look at your achievements, look at your present state, where you are now, look at how you feel right now. And God says, no, no, I call you righteous. I say you are forgiven and I bless you. And if we will say, yes, God, I'm willing to take your word for it, not what the world says, not what my physical senses say, not what my feelings say. God, I'm willing to believe you. He says, I will account it to you for righteousness and you enter into the supernatural injection of extra success that God gives us. That is amazing. That's the first point. Verse 13, the second point is that it, it's, it's a future based on promises. You know, our, our idea of success sometimes is I'm working towards a success that I think I need to achieve. And so we have dreams and we have plans and visions. Uh, nowadays, people say, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. It's all about you and imagining your, your future that you want and, and working towards it. And so sometimes people live their whole lives trying to achieve a dream of success that they've made up themselves. But in God, this God supernatural success, it's not based on wishful thinking or willpower or, or really trying hard to imagine and believe my future. No, no. It's based on promises from an almighty God who can see the whole big picture, the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And he says, I give you promises. And when God promises something, you know, the whole power of God and the whole 
weight of heaven is behind it. So listen to verse 13. For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So we've already said it was not based on what he'd done, but on faith, just believing God's words. But it says the promise that he would be the heir of the world. God had promised him so much. He'd even said, you will be the heir of the world. (laughs) Abraham meets Melchizedek, who is a priest, but is probably Jesus in physical form talking to him. He, the, the priest Melchizedek says to Abraham, you are possessor of the earth. The promises of God were just extraordinary to this man. And he believed it. He said, you, you have a promise from God and he believed it. Verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Grace is another word for the supernatural injection of, of extra power and extra help. That it's according to grace. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. This is saying that you and I, when we look at Abraham, when we see the way that God gave him supernatural success, we can enter into that because it's by faith. It's not by his lineage. It's not by what he did. It's not by anything other than believing the promises of God. And this passage says that those promises are for us as well. There's an amazing couple of verses about promises. I don't have time to go into it right now. But if you have time, study the promises of God. 2 Peter 1 verse 4 says that uh, we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises from God. That through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Hebrews 6 verse 12 says, Do not be sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. God's got promises for us, friends. No matter how many promises He's made, they are yes in Christ. And the promises of God are the future that God was giving to Abraham. He was saying it's based on my promises, not on your dreams. And then verse 17 of Romans 4. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is the crux of it. God had said to Abraham in Genesis 17, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, at this time, Abraham was not a father of many nations. He was old. His wife was old. They were past the age of bearing children. And God said, I have made you a father of many nations. He he said it in the past tense. And it was a promise. And it says, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. The way this works is God says, I see the the possible future. I see my plan for you. I see what I am going to give you. And I declare it to you as a present reality, as something that I've already done. And Abraham simply said, yes. It's a bit like I I don't really want to go into this whole cheating illustration too much, but it's a bit like the doctor coming up to the cyclist and saying, I've got this thing and it will make you the winner. 
if you'll just take it. And all you've got to do is say yes and take the injection of that extra blood. And that's exactly what happened with Abraham. He said, yes, God, I believe you. It was credited to him or accounted to him as righteousness. And it was based on promises. And it wasn't based on the past, his present or his future that he could see. It was based on God's future that God said. And he calls things that do not exist as though they were. Friend, this may cause you to, to balk, to struggle, to say, I can't accept this. In Judges chapter 6, an angel appears to a young man called Gideon. And he's hiding from the Midianites who were attacking. He's hiding in a little cave because he's afraid of them. And this angel says to him, you are a mighty man of valor or you are a victorious warrior. And Gideon says, you must have the wrong person. I'm the least of my tribe. My tribe's the least of the nation of Israel. And look at all this trouble we're in. You've got it wrong. But the angel said, you are a mighty man of valor. And through a process of helping Gideon along, he showed that Gideon could defeat this huge army with supernatural help. Just 300 soldiers with no swords, just trumpets and candles. They defeated an army of many, many thousands. Just 300 of them. And God says, I call things that do not exist as though they were. And this is where we come up against it. This is where the rubber hits the road. Because God says, I tell you my promises. I tell you the success that I want to give you. I give you my expected future and the things that I can do. And all you have to do is say, yes, Lord. But the thing that we struggle with is called unbelief where we say, but my eyes tell me something different. But the world around me has taught me something different. But my past history and track record tells me something different. And God says, will you accept what I have to say? And if you do, you receive the supernatural help. God promised Abraham extraordinary things. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. God said, even though you are not righteous, I call you righteous. And because God says it, it becomes true. Wow, this is amazing. So let's read on. Verse 18. Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed. Contrary to hope. It wasn't even in his hopes that he could have children, that he could be the father of many nations, that he could be righteous, that he could be the heir of the, the possessor of the whole world. Contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. It was according to what was spoken, not according to his own efforts to dream it up. He simply said, God, you've said it, I believe it. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Amazing. Amazing. Let me just read that again, because it's just so powerful. From verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Friends, God speaks things about you. You are forgiven. You are clean. You are loved. You are blessed. You are favored, highly favored by God. 
that same word that he, the angel spoke to Mary when she was about to conceive Jesus. You are highly favored. God speaks to us in Ephesians 1 verse 6. He says, you are favored and accepted in the beloved. I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those, those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk it all. I'm going to trust. I'm going to step out in faith on the unknown and I'm going to trust that this God is faithful to what he said. So shall your descendants be. He became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. He says, I'm not going to look at the physical evidence. I'm going to trust God's word. Since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. These doubts assail us, say, could God really be true? Surely what you think and see and what others say is more true. He says, no, I'm not going to waver. I'm going to keep on going with God but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Whenever he was doubting, he says, God, the past, present, and future that I see is different to what you see. I'm going to give you glory. I thank you that I am the father of many nations. I thank you, Lord, that I am uh, a father to as many children as there are stars in the sky. I thank you, God, and I believe you. And um, being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform and therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, the last point I need to make here is that there is a fight sometimes involved in this faith. In Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about the Israelites going into the promised land. And it says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, entering this promised land. Notice it's called the promised land because we enter into God's things based on His promises. There is a, a promise remains of entering His rest. Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. God can promise it, but we may fall short of it. How? Verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Friends, they turned away. They had the promised land in front of them. There were giants and armies in front of them. And even though God had said, this is yours, I've promised it to you, I've given it to you. They did not mix faith with God's promises. They used their own eyes and their own understanding. And they said, we can't beat these enemies. And so they ran away. And it took 40 more years before the Israelites entered into the promised land. Abraham had to wait more than 25 years for his promised son to come. And in those years, he had ups and downs. He failed several times. There were twice when he was threatened and he said, my wife is actually my sister. You can take her. He, he did some things that were not great. He um, slept with the slave lady, Hagar, and had a son called Ishmael. He did some terrible things in the meantime, but all in all, overall, he was moving forward in faith. He was trusting God. He was saying, God, I'm going to believe you. Even though I slip and I fall, I know that you say I'm righteous. You say I'm blessed. God, I'm going to believe you. And even though it took so long, he managed in the end to come through and he became the father of faith. The passage in Romans 4 goes on to say that it's for all of us to enter into the same faith in the same way that Abraham did. Friend, what about you? 
how are you going to do with this? And what are you going to do with this? You know, we can go through life just like that cycling race that Lance Armstrong rode. We can try and do it in our own strength. We can say, I'm going to be good. I'm going to work up my own success. I'm going to try my hardest. Or we can say, God, I'm going to trust you, what you say, and your promises, which are the roadmap, your promises to enter into the supernatural success. And Lord, I'm going, to, I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to trust you even when there are things that come against me, giants of doubt, uh, giants of difficulty, even when there's long periods of waiting, I'm going to trust you. And Lord, I'm going to trust your timing in this. Because when I look at my present situation or I look at my past sins, it's hard for me to see how you could say these promises over me, that I am blessed, that I am loved that I'm forgiven, that I'm your child, that I am now seated with you in heavenly places, that I am blessed with every blessing in the spiritual realm. How, how can all of that be true? But Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to let unbelief come against me. I'm going to stay strong through it all. Friend, I pray and I hope that you are able to do this. You know, the amazing thing about Abraham is he was a nobody and he is shown to be a weak and, and failure-prone man. And yet he managed to get through it. And through faith and patience, he inherited the promises of God. You can do it today. You say, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. Just believe God. He says, I love you. He says, I died on the cross to forgive you. He says, I've got promises galore in my Bible for you. Read the Bible and study the promises and say, yes, Lord, I take those. And then watch how through faith and patience, God will give you this injection of supernatural success, which is bigger than worldly success. It includes reaching the lost for him. It includes becoming like him and knowing him better and serving him and doing his will. But when we achieve his success, it is worth much more than anything this world could give. You know, Abraham died without a home. He lived in tents pretty much his whole life. But we are still talking about him because his success lived on forever. It was timeless success, not past, present or future, according to his mind, but in God's view, timeless success that would last forever. If you want to know Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would forgive me now and make me your child. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And thank you that you have a good plan for my life. I give my life to you and I want to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Get in touch with us, leadinglightsnetwork.com. We would love to help you through the next stages of your walk with God. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.